You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi everyone, Paul here, and just a quick message from me to let you know that if you are looking to improve the performance of your team, no matter whether it is a work, sporting, or community one, then we've developed some tools to help. On the website, you will find our Thriving Teams Diagnostic, which uses insights from the more than 200 great coaches we have interviewed to challenge you with a series of questions to help you understand how your team is performing. It's free and only takes a few minutes to complete. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Lessons from the Great Coaches podcast. I've learned that you don't do it alone. You learn so many different things from so many different coaches. That's an elite learning environment. Failure is not a problem. How you deal with it is a problem. How to be resilient. How important it is to infuse joy in the process of learning. To be a good coach, you've got to give more than you take. What an interesting life it is to be a leader. Hello and welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast where we believe there is no algorithm for leadership. And so we interview great sports coaches from around the world to try and find ideas to help all of us lead our families, our colleagues, and our teams better. As the podcast has grown, the great coaches we've interviewed have shared so much insight and wisdom that we decided to create episodes dedicated entirely to the ideas that have resonated with us the most. Today's episode focuses on starting with new teams. Here at The Great Coaches Podcast, we're working to create one of the world's best leadership libraries from the lessons our interview guests share with us. You can help support our project and get access to the Leadership Lessons episodes where we collate insight and wisdom from the great coaches on key topics like culture, vision, or behaviors, as well as other exclusive content by joining our Patreon community. All the details on how you can be part of this journey are in our show notes. And now onto the topic of starting with new teams. You're listening to the Lessons from the Great Coaches podcast. In 1933, America was in the grip of what would come to be known as the Great Depression. It had begun with the Black Thursday stock market crash in October 1929, and it would be a decade until the American GDP returned to the level it was when that crash occurred. But in 1933, things began to turn, and many attribute this change in fortune 
to the actions the new president, Franklin D. Roosevelt, took in his first 100 days in office. The new president ushered in a flurry of new legislation and executive orders, all aimed at relieving the hardship of the people and stimulating the economy. Not everything he oversaw succeeded, but his bold action inspired hope, and from that sprung new energy that would ultimately propel the country and its economy forward. This frenetic opening to his presidency would become the template that other leaders would aspire to, and it gave rise to the focus on the first 100 days in office for new leaders everywhere. Today, there is a slew of books that will help you prepare for and navigate those first 100 days. And in fact, I've been gifted a few of those over the years by managers and friends eager to see me do well in a new role. They have templates to follow and lists of questions to ask, and are in many ways quite different from the more considered approach the great coaches we have interviewed talk about. There is broad agreement from our guests that your first task when starting with a new team is to listen. You do this with the intent of gathering the information that is going to help inform your next steps. And your listening must appear genuine if it is to have the added benefit of establishing your authenticity. Here is gold medal winning rugby sevens coach Ben Ryan explaining his view on this. So when I got there first, I think part of my personality isn't to suddenly shout and scream at people and lay down a marker. It's to gather as much information as I possibly can before you then feel like you've got enough to decide on your next steps and the pace of those next steps and the risk of those next steps. So I, I went around and listened to people. And again, those levels that I've been, I've worked hard on over the last kind of 10 years on my listening skills, not just being at that top level that's pretty much transactional, listening to you just so I can answer your question, but listening to try to understand and then get to that third level where people really think in the relationships you've got with them that they, you care about them and it matters and you remember things that makes them feel the other parts of psychological safety like purpose and belief and their status and their achievements are getting recognised and they feel like they've got control, they've got some autonomy in, in what we're doing. Basketball coach Joe Prunty, who has worked under the iconic Greg Popovich, takes this further by explaining how deep listening when you start with a new team will allow you to understand the philosophies that shape the culture of the team. And this is a critical step before you try and insert yourself into that new culture. Well, there's a few things, but I'll, I guess I'll break it into two categories. There's the professional side of it. I try to listen and learn as much as I can from all the people that are available to me early on. And most of the time when you're arriving, it's, well, it depends on when you arrive to a new team, but uh, meaning the time of year, if it's the middle of the summer or early summer, sometimes you're just getting acclimated with the coaching staff and some of the other people in the front office, but really just try and listen and learn to what the philosophies are, what people are working towards, what are the goals, what are we going to build, but just trying to improve myself on sort of what the overall system is, not the coaching system, but what the philosophy of the entire organization is. And just, I don't want to say not interject myself into it, but just listen to what people are saying so I can figure out where are we going, you know, study, film study, watching previous games, but really getting into the nuts and bolts of what 
some of the players, their tendencies are, how they played, what they did, looking at numbers, the analytical side of it, but just trying to figure out, you know, it's kind of goes into that listening to what people are talking about and where we're going and philosophically what we're trying to do. But it's also now trying to dive into the visual part of it or the analytical part of it and study and get to know things. And so it's really sort of a get to know process for me professionally in terms of most people that I've gone to work with, I've had some idea of who they are, but until you work with someone, you don't really know what they're about. Then I also, from a professional standpoint, just want to establish a level of consistency with myself, like how I am and what I do. And every morning, always come in with the mindset of working hard. And I get it. Some people have tough days, so it's, it's not as easy, but still saying good morning every day kind of get ready for the grind and being what I would deem, like I said, this is the professional side of it, but being professional. In order to listen well, though, you need to invite people to talk. And you achieve this through asking questions. One terrific example of a question to ask is, what do people expect of you? In this example, the coach of the Indian women's cricket team explains how he used this technique. I try and ask the players as to what it is they want me to do. What is it that they expect of me? And what is it that they want me to uh, bring into the team? Because um, it is very important to know what is it the players want to do? Where is it that they want to go? As you begin the process of listening and engaging the organisation, make sure that you do so in the words of basketball coach Pokey Chapman from top to bottom. This will allow you to calibrate what you're hearing across the many tiers within the organization or group. And I think what aided me initially was I engaged the entire organization top to bottom to find out from those people who were experts in their craft and their roles. And it was more about me learning their area and them. And that proved to be so huge because it had never been done before. You know, it was all these different factions. And I just believe in a total team concept of everything from sports to family to life and business. And I think that initial thing, because then people wanted to help more, they felt a part of it. And obviously I have to evaluate the team, but those individual players the same way, because what's really hard when you're stepping in is you don't want noise from a media clip or an article to define these players that you're coming into this organization with. I wanted them to have a clean slate that just wasn't stats because there's always something behind that. These first conversations are also a critical step towards building the trust you will need when it comes to the later steps of articulating the vision you have for the team and outlining the tasks required for everyone to achieve it. The cricket coach Sally Ann Briggs put this eloquently when she spoke to us about winning hearts and minds in the first six months with a new team. And the thing that I really stuck to was, and it sounds a bit cliche, was about winning hearts and minds. And I stuck with that for six months because it meant that I had those conversations with all the right people that I needed to. And it wasn't just within the team either because we've got a finance department, we've got a commercial department. I need to know the CEO. So I used that as a kind of little mantra, my little checklist of over the first six months is like, I've got to build these relationships and build this trust. And he actually works quite closely with our personal development manager in around building that safe environment and that vulnerability piece for the girls so we could work better together and be more on board with what we were trying to do. 
So, yeah, the key thing was direction, winning over those hearts and minds and building those strong relationships and that trust within that. And then just making sure I worked bloody hard in that first initial so that the girls knew that whatever I asked them to do, I was going to give them twice as much. In parallel to listening to everyone, you must assess your staff to ensure you have the right people around you. Here is wrestling coach Tom Ryan explaining his view on this. However, from my own experience, I would call out not being too quick to let go of existing staff, particularly if they are long-serving and well-liked. This is a balance that you need to approach with care in order to not alienate the people whose trust you are looking to win. I would so, so the first thing that we did was I made sure that I surrounded myself with the best staff and the best people. You know, not necessarily all of them were great wrestlers, but, but I was looking for like men of character, right? Men who through the years, I knew their work ethic, right? And the type of people they are. One interesting idea that resonated with me was also being clear when you hire staff that there will be a succession plan, even if you haven't had time to yet plan it out. This was something that World Cup winning rugby union coach Rod McQueen talked about and gave the example of how he did this with one of his teams. Once again, we put together a pretty solid business plan as to what it was all about. We talked about how we're going to go about things, had a succession plan in place. Again, from day one, I think we had a two-year plan would have been the first thing I put on that the business plan for the Brumbies. In the early days, when you are listening and engaging the organisation, there will be the temptation to offer your viewpoint. This can be amplified when you join a team that is already successful and you are trying to find a way that you can add value to what is already in place. The netball coach, Julie Fitzpatrick, reflected with us on a time where she had made this mistake. I think I learned a lot of this when I went to Magic in New Zealand. They were a very established franchise. They were going through a massive change when I got there, but they were a very established franchise. And I look back on it now and think maybe I was too eager to impose things upon them that I felt they needed. I think sometimes you need to sit back and have a good look at how it's all running, understand what they value, have a good look and see if everyone in the organisation is living to those standards and believes in them. Give yourself time to work out if change is needed, how drastic it needs to be. Is it just a rotten culture that does need throwing out and starting again? Or are there some really good things in there that you may not have noticed if you'd gone into Gung Ho? If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. As you gather information in those early days, you can start creating a sketch of the environment and its strengths and weaknesses. The gold medal winning Rugby Sevens coach Tim Walsh calls this an audit, and he explains here how he uses this to form the basis of the point of difference he hopes his team will have. A good tool to help you with this is the Culture Web, developed by Johnson & Scholes in 1992, and I've put a link to it in the show notes. Definitely take a look at your all the different factors, you know, the SWOT analysis, the environment in which you're operating in, but don't take someone else's plan or, or style and just plug it into, into yours because you might have different players, different ages, different experiences, different maturity. So you do have to do it and you can use a lot of statistical data and all that kind of stuff. So audit it in all different aspects from politics to to playing styles, to what you, what you can have. So it's analyze what you have or can have and then develop a point of difference around that. And then, then you, or you develop it so you get a competitive advantage and then you build your behaviours around that vision. As you are putting together this sketch of the organisation, you will find areas that need to be developed that may not be something you have experience with a good way of addressing this was outlined by Kathy Delaney-Smith, who coached the Harvard women's basketball team for 42 years. So when I got the job, I understood the kind of student-athlete I was going to get at Harvard. It wasn't very strong. And so I knew I was going to have the greatest minds in the world, but I, didn't, I wasn't going to have the tallest or the quickest players. So my first thing I did was read every psychology book I could get my hands on. I took a meditation class with John Kabat-Zinn, who is the guru of meditation and mind. And so that's what I started with at Harvard. I mean, that's what I worked on. And not everyone drank the punch. Like you talk to some of my athletes in the early days and there's all kinds of jokes about what we did and all the training I tried to implement you know, a lot by, act. It was they were my big experiment. So I, I, we did work on training the mind. That was number one. Number two, recruiting matters. So I, I, I had to make sure I could recruit players that were talented enough to win. And I was lucky enough to be able to do that. And then three, I think creating a culture takes a little time and three years is about how long it takes. And the culture was in place. And we thought like and acted like winners. With your base of understanding in place, you are then in a position to start outlining the vision you have for the team or organisation. This becomes the exciting part as you start challenging the expectations people have of themselves and what is possible. Here is volleyball coach Mark Lebedew talking about his experience with this. But what I found firstly was that the club, the team at least, had a kind of, and this is common in professional sport, at least in volleyball, in a we'll do our best and see what happens kind of mentality. So 
the first thing really that I did was to change the expectations of the group in terms of uh, what's possible in playing, what's possible in matches, but really at a micro level. So how what's possible in every action. Every action in the game can be a little bit better. And if we do X, Y, and Z, then we have a really great chance of outcome uh, A, algebra, not obviously my thing, but by changing the expectations of the small things along the way, we found very quickly that we could compete and beat the top teams who had been beating us the previous years. A similar example comes from elite basketball coach and professor Carrie Graff, who, like Mark, challenged her team to aspire to a greater vision, and she did it by reframing the challenge they faced in terms of what they had already achieved in their lives. But the first thing I did was we got together and said, who here, who here thinks we could win the championship? And I could see the, the looks on the faces of the Canberra girls, the Canberra girls that were here thinking, oh my God, is she serious? Um, and then I went around the room and went, you know, count up, let's all count up the championships we won, whether it's in under 12s or under 14s or under 16s or in the WNBL, any championships you've won on state teams. And we went around the room and the number, you know, I'd been a part of many, Shelley Sandy had been a part of many. So our, our numbers as a group of winning was in the hundreds. So suddenly everyone in the room went, wow, we know how to win because we've got a whole lot of people in here that know how to win. And even if we haven't been a part of a WNBL championship, yeah, we won an, I won an under 12 premiership or I won the school girls championship. So it was... It was really setting the stage for you do know how to win because you won. It doesn't matter if you haven't won at this level. And everything we did was about, well, how do we win this championship? And we kept that front front and centre and we set goals to sit under that. But it was really about instilling some belief early that if we do these certain things, we've absolutely got the, the talent to, to win the championship. And, and those of us that have won, here's some of the things that we think we can do to help this team win. So it was about um, instilling belief, I think, and then going about a process of, you know, doing the hard work, learning and evolving as a group and um, keeping our, our goal at the, at the forefront without being over-focused on the, the outcome. Another example of bridging the gap from listening as a coach with a new team to setting a vision and then reframing beliefs and language people may have comes from championship netball coach Bryony Arkell. I have a choice about to listen a lot and not necessarily just come in and change the world because the Swiss have a great winning legacy and I knew they're a young team and I had to set a very clear vision of what it looked like for this team and a path of how to get there. So having clear direction and having small goals along the way that we would basically off the back of coming six. What did that mean for us? And I think we were really happy coming six in that first year because I think we'd won double the amount of games than they had the year before. So we'd set that little milestone, oh, we've just missed out on the finals. But we had to redefine what good looked like in our environment and what we wanted to turn up like every day. And I'd say to them, I'd pull them in after a training session or just in, in the middle of one drill. So I'd say, so does that look like a championship team? Is that how a championship team trains? So, and it could have been good. It could have looked great to the untrained eye, but demanding excellence all the time with this team and drilling into them that even though we're young, why are we going to listen to that rhetoric of people telling us that you probably won't win a premiership for another two or three years? So when I came in, I was like, no, 
change your language and the language that you use every day that filters down the line into the playing group. We lived positive energy and positive words. So I think one of the mantras, well, why can't we do it this year? Why can't it be us in 2019 standing on that podium? What, what are we waiting for? So I gave them that confidence, even just to individual players, to say, why can't you be the world's best shooter? What's stopping you? And you could sort of see her body language just grow in terms of, well, no one's ever asked me. So just questioning players around their own ability and me giving them the confidence to sort of, let's go do this. Let's chase it this year. Wait two years. A word of caution, though. When you move from listening to engaging the organisation on a vision and challenging them against it, it's important to prioritise and keep your message simple. This helps you avoid the trap of trying to fix too many things at once. Here is Simon Jones, the cycling coach, putting this in context. Well, I think you've got to start really simply and you've got to prioritise and you've got to do the ones which are manageable and I think you have to build it over time. And I think the other thing is so once you set what those standards are, it could be we start training on time. You might, you know, for example, you know, we always do a debrief, for example. It could be things like that. I think what you can't do with these things is you set a culture and then you don't do it and that, that undermines trust. So I think you've got to start small, set things which are realistic and then build on them as opposed to sort of starting with, like I said, like the, you know, the gold standard and then having a, a really, really big mountain to climb. This was also a point that English Premier League coach Thomas Frank talked about. He builds on the idea of prioritising by explaining that you have to take things bit by bit and teach as you go along. So, of course, I had a, had a clear idea of how I wanted to play, but also had a clear idea of where I assessed where, where Brunbury was at that state. So we need to take it bit by bit. And I had, of course, um, several meetings, but especially in the beginning to explain the plan. This is how we do it. This is how we're going to train it. This is how I'm going to coach you guys. And I did that from the beginning. And then, of course, a lot of individual talks, especially with the more experienced players, to get them on board straight away and build that relationship. Because I think it's all about relationship. And I think that's one of my, yeah, I would say strengths in terms of connecting with people. Another idea that connected with me was the importance of breaking down your vision into a timeline that feels more concrete to the group. I think this is especially important when the vision is a bold one or challenges the team in ways that they're not used to. The first example to illustrate this comes from Rugby Union World Cup winning coach Rod McEwen. And we put it into three different areas, which was the beginning, the journey and the destiny. And so we wore t-shirts for instance with the beginning written on it and then when we got to the stage where we thought we were understanding where we were going we had the journey and then when we went into the world cup we were in the destiny phase of what we did all of those things had been played out the second also comes from a world cup winning coach but this time from cricket here is mark robinson the coach of the english women's team I think you go in any job, you've got to have a vision and you've got to hopefully that's going to be a shared vision. So I remember we met, the first time we met as a squad properly, when I got all the players together, we were in South Africa. So I've done a month in the job already, but the best six girls were in the women's big bash. I just put it on the big whiteboard from Potchinstone, which is where we were in South Africa. I put from Potchinstone to, to Lords and just put the dates up. So we start in here. 
January 2016, Potchenstone, and Lords, July, whatever the date was, where we're going to finish. And that's the journey. And everything we do from then is going to be to that goal. And I, a lot of my language would be things like, when we are playing Australia in the final at Lords, this is why. And the staff would join in, you know, the people on the, the SMC, the strength of additional coach, would put things like sweat for the batch. So everything was almost a language around. So that was one of the first things you did. And then I suppose you're trying to tell a squad or a team or a group of players how you're going to get there. And so that was my thing, how we're going to get there by being braver, by being more exciting, we're going to break records. I put all the records of women's world cricket in a team room. And I asked the girls, I want you to visualise your names. That's the most best strike rate and teacher on it. I want your names there. That's in the next that cycle for you. Your names are going to be up there. So you're trying to excite them how to play and where we're going to go. I think the other thing I asked them to do was the old, the old Darwin quote about it's not the fittest or the strongest that survive. It's, it's the one you know, the people who, who can evolve, whatever the right quote is. I just asked them that. I want them to be brave enough to be prepared to evolve. So that's what we did that and I set that out, but it wasn't obviously like most things, one quite plain, uh, plain sailing because we had to make a few changes. We had to change the captaincy and let a couple of senior players go to get a younger team that was probably more likely to fulfil that vision. With the vision in place and the roadmap to get there outlined, there is a need to establish rules or as they're sometimes called guardrails that either you alone or the team as a whole has agreed on. This is the added benefit of bringing clarity to everyone about what you as the new leader will and will not tolerate. Here is Ice Hockey World Championship coach Slavomir Lena explaining how he did this. The sooner you set up those rules, the better for you. Because you set up the rules once the train is already (laughs) driving the way, it's always tough. So the best is we've talked about the team philosophy or team culture. As soon as you can, you must set up the culture. And then everybody has to buy into it or you must convince the player or the parent or the sponsor that this is the way you're driving the machine. So yeah, you can do it. It's more work. It's more time to put together, but you have to set it up as early as possible. To close this episode on starting with new teams, I wanted to feature a piece of advice that Hugh McCutcheon, the gold medal winning volleyball coach, gave. I interviewed Hugh just as I was about to move into a new role leading a large organisation in another country, and his reminder came just at the right time, and it stayed with me through those first few months in the new role. I understand as the coach I'm going to have the chance to set the temperature in the room, And if we're going to ask them to work hard, because we knew the expectations for this team were extremely high. Uh, You might even say unrealistic, (laughs) but they were extremely high. And so it was like, well, hey, if we're going to have a chance at achieving any of this, then if I'm going to ask them to work really hard, I've made to make sure that I'm working hard as well. You've been listening to The Great Coach's Thoughts on starting with new teams. I hope you found it interesting and discovered a few ideas that you can bring to your own dinner table, locker room or boardroom table for discussion. The key things I took away from it were the importance of listening in an engaged way when you meet the new people from the top to the bottom in an organisation. The use of good questions in those first conversations to uncover insight and establish your leadership style. Taking things in the words of Thomas Frank bit by bit 
and not being too quick to try and solve all the challenges you're seeing, and ensuring that you break your vision down into a timeline that is easy for people to engage with. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And just before we go, if you have any feedback, then please let us know. Just like Preeti S, who said, simply love the deep insight from these marvelous women leaders. We do too, thanks Preeti. We love the interaction with people around the world who listen. And so if you have any feedback or any comments, then please let us know. And if they're positive ones, then please let your friends know too. All the details on how you can connect with us are in the show notes or on our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.